the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Let's go the distance by keeping our distance. Nissan, innovation that excites. All right, as we alluded to earlier, one of the culinary highlights of the calendar arrives in an egg shape. This very Sunday, Easter Sunday, a tradition for kids and the annual chocolate egg buying frenzy has already begun, notwithstanding the retail restrictions with the COVID crisis. Perhaps even more so now with few other shopping options available. So a little chalky treat might be great for us. But no, no, no. We have the anti-Easter bunny with us uh, who's going to put us right on the do's and don'ts from an environmental perspective uh, of chocolate buying habits. Dr. Gara Gustenberg, uh, okay, what's the problem? Well, a lot of people last year were giving out about the amount of packaging when it came to Easter eggs, and they are very, very overpackaged. Uh, and there was this big plastic-free Easter campaign that was quite popular last year in the UK in particular. 80 million Easter eggs were sold every year, and that generates 3,000 tons of packaging waste from those Easter eggs. So it is a massive problem, and people are looking for alternatives. Uh, but I think this year now, the focus isn't so much on packaging, uh, and it's actually on the ingredients that are in our Easter eggs uh, that we need to be looking at right now when we don't have very many alternatives with respect to package. Well, in fairness, in fairness, I don't always agree with you, but you're absolutely right about the packaging before we move on to the contents of the egg. Because, you know, the most expensive York, you know, deluxe chocolate or after rates, you know, the more expensive ones, you, you, you get this huge box and then when you open it up, there's only a miserable little egg the size of your hand. I mean, like... It's really <laughs> you know, no, but it, it, it's actually kind of a bit of a rip-off that, you know, it's an anti-climax that the packaging is nearly the best bit because the, the size of the box relative to the size of the chocolate. Have, it, have chocolate egg makers not listened to the, 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 the general public anxiety about needless waste of plastic and, uh, and packaging and kind of provided more eco-friendly packaging? Uh, surprisingly this year when you look around the stores it still seems like packaging is a big part of this and I think part of that is to appeal to to little kids you know that the packaging looks better than the actual product um, but the other thing is just breakage it's hard to transport these these eggs vast dis- distances and, and not have them break but that's a fair um, point I never even thought of that it's kind of to protect the egg from cracking and breaking yeah, and in fact, I tried to buy a, a, an Easter bunny uh, recently, a chocolate Easter bunny um, that didn't have packaging in it, which was just wrapped in foil. And then when I went to go pay for it, it turns out it was all broken. So you kind of do need a bit of packaging to protect it. But there are alternatives. So um, you can go to places like Etsy and they have beautiful uh, vintage style kind of metal Easter egg tins that you can put an Easter egg in or fill with chocolate. Or what I'm going to try this year is to get a, a cardboard egg carton and paint it up and make it really pretty and fill it with my daughter's favorite sweets and chocolates which actually tastes a lot better than the kind of uh the kind of traditional eggs that you might buy in a store so there are options well we know with eva mother knows best when it comes to everything all right now let's get on to the quality of of the chocolate so i thought chocolate was chocolate it was a bit of cocoa beans a bit of milk and uh, you know that was it. it that's not the case there's different varieties in terms of the environmental impact and in your crosshairs in particular is the issue of fair trade and palm oil is it 
Yeah, I mean, we've talked about cocoa before and, and the impact of, of climate change on, on cocoa. But one of the issues with, with cocoa actually is is that um, places like Ghana and the Ivory Coast produce 70% of the world's cocoa supplies. And uh, it, it's putting a lot of pressure on farming families there. So they're making 40 cents a day sometimes uh, producing this cocoa for us. And those low earnings make it really hard for farmers to pay laborers. And that results in things like child labor. So going with the fair trade label gives farmers a fair price for their cocoa. Um, and I, it's really uplifting to see that a lot of the supermarkets now and in my local Aldi, I saw a lot of options for uh, Easter eggs with the fair trade logo on them. So that is moving along. What isn't progressing as fast is the issue of palm oil. And it's surprising how many uh, chocolate products, confectionery products, and particularly Easter eggs have palm oil in it, which has a whole series of, of environmental impacts that I want to talk about today. Okay, so palm oil is an edible vegetable oil. How is it made? Uh, well, it's a it's a tree, a, a, like a palm tree, and the kernel and the fruit both generate an oil. So it produces uh, 38% of the world's vegetable oil comes from palm oil. And, you know, it's not palm oil in itself that's a bad thing. It's a really high-yielding uh, crop. So it produces 10 times more oil than the same amount of soya bean or, or rapeseed oil. So, you know, we shouldn't just hate palm oil. It's not all bad in, in the sense. What the problem is, is our demand for palm oil is growing and growing and growing. It's in all sorts of products, not just food products, but cleaning products, uh, toothpaste, beauty products. And, and the demand is outpacing the available land. So what's happening now is in places like Indonesia, Malaysia, Brazil, they are deforesting vast amounts of rainforests to kind of to satisfy this, this global demand for palm oil. And that's creating a, a lot of uh, biodiversity and, and environmental impacts. So, so, is is that the is that the problem the deforestation like the 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 product itself palm oil are, are you saying that's bad no, yeah, and I think that that's the thing we need to steer away from. A, a lot of environmentalists would, would say, oh, anything with palm oil, don't buy it. Um, it's not necessarily the palm oil itself that's bad. It's how the palm oil is produced. Are we clear-cutting precious forests um, to, to create palm oil monoculture? So what we need to be doing, actually, I think, is not, um, not saying we're not going to consume anything with palm oil, which is nearly impossible, as it turns out, uh, but actually say we're going to put pressure on the companies that use palm oil to make sure they're they're sourcing it sustainably. Where is palm oil produced? So typically, um, it was it was mostly produced in Indonesia and Malaysia, and it's been great for their economy and, and employment. And Indonesia plans to, uh, they, they doubled production from 2006 levels, and they plan to double it yet again leading up to, to 2030. But unfortunately, um, it's created a huge loss, a loss of habitat there. So a third of Indonesian mammals are critically endangered now by habitat loss. And most famously, uh, the Sumatran orangutan, uh, the UN has declared them a conservation emergency. 90% of their habitat has been destroyed in the last 20 years, and they're facing extinction within the next five to 10 years at the current rate, uh, largely from palm oil. So 50,000 orangutans have died just from palm oil, just deforestation alone in the last two decades. But, but Cara, let's be realistic in the current environment. We've more to be worried about than the Sumatran orangutan. I knew you were going to say that, Ivan. I know you don't care about these orangutans far away, Not but really. actually they're 
they're considered what they call a keystone species. So what that means is they're vital for the, the, the ecosystem health of that environment. And, and where they really are useful is it turns out that a lot of seeds in the rainforest can only germinate when they're passed through the gut of an orangutan. So they eat the seeds, they eat the fruits, uh, they digest them. And then because they, they, to put it mildly, they defecate them on the land, oh. um, <laughs> that results in more trees growing. So if we don't have the orangutans, we don't get new trees. If we don't get new trees, we lose other animals. We lose sources of fresh water because those trees conserve a lot of fresh water, which we, means we lose uh, hydroelectricity options. We lose products like honey and rattan that are produced in those forests. And that ultimately leads to economic damage in local communities, which means more migration and more conflict. And places like Ireland have to help sort those things out. So that orangutan directly uh, directly impacts you later on down the chain. And the, the, the Sumatran tiger is also affected. Yeah, so they're saying that there's only 400 of those left and they'll be extinct in less than three years at the current rates of deforestation. And other species that are that are at risk because of this are things like the Sumatran rhinoceros, the pygmy elephant, the clouded leopard, the proboscis monkey, uh, all in these forests that are that are being cut down uh, for for palm oil. And I think probably even more worryingly is is Brazil. If you look at what happened with the, the fires in Brazil last summer, a lot of them were set intentionally in in the Amazon because now Brazil wants to lead in palm oil production. They want to take over from Indonesia and they're planning on doubling production between now and 2025. Um, so a quick way of, of deforesting and clear cutting for palm oil monocultures to just set fire to the forests. And of course, that then has an impact on our, on our climate and our air quality around the globe. Okay, so what's the big alternative to uh, palm oil? Well, the nice thing is that there's a European labeling rule that was established in 2014 that says that all of the labels on our food and products have to tell you what origin of vegetable those oils and fats come from. So I went through my pantry today because I wasn't commuting into Marconi house. Mm -hmm. And of the 30 or so ingredients I had in my pantry, I found five that were made of palm oil. So uh, there was a chocolate Easter egg. There was uh, breadsticks. There was wraps. Yeah. Um, so now's a good time for me to contact those companies and say, how are you planning on ensuring that the palm oil you get is sustainably produced and isn't contributing to extinction? Um, and we are seeing more progressive companies, um, companies like Procter & Gamble and L'Oreal and Nestle, starting to commit to only sourcing sustainable palm oil. But unfortunately, we just don't have enough sustainable palm oil to, to be able to provide the, the demand for it at the moment. And is there a label when you're buying your, your palm oil product that you can look on it and say, you know, ethically, like the fair trade, ethically yeah. produced? So there are industry members that are part of this round roundtable on sustainable palm oil, what they call the RSPO. Um, and so they will put that on their products. But unfortunately, it doesn't mean that their palm oil is sustainable. It only means that they've made a commitment to try and move towards sustainable palm oil. Um, so you can look at um, an NGO called palmoilinvestigations.org and they'll, they've printed all company statements related to palm oil. Greenpeace has a company list um, ranking the more 
progressive companies and the and the worst offenders. Um, a number of them had committed to ending um, use of unsustainable palm oil by 2020, but even this summer they're they're coming out and saying they simply don't have enough product to be able to do that. So they are they are at you know uh, Nestle is around 77 percent of their products are from sustainable palm oil at the moment, but they they haven't gotten to the kind of 100 percent goal that they're hoping for. Um, so we can keep putting pressure on on companies. We can be avoiding um, processed foods. I mean, certainly the products in my pantry that had palm oil were the processed ones, not the raw ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, but I think while we're housebound and while we're going through our pantries, uh, it's a good time to send a few emails to these companies that do use palm oil and, and put pressure on them to start thinking about this and showing that this is something that consumers care about. There you have it. Go through your pantry. When you're buying your Easter eggs, watch out for excessive, badly produced, uh, from an environmental perspective, palm oil. My thanks for that uh, down-to-earth lesson today. Uh, the Easter bunny herself, uh, Dr. Cara Gustenberg, environmental uh, resident scientist here. Thank you, as always. Enjoy Thank your you. Easter. The Hard Shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan. Together, let's play our part by staying apart. Nissan, innovation that excites.